0: I'm staring down a line of jumps that should scare my brand new show breeches right off me. But it doesn't. Major and I know our jobs here. His is to read the combination, determine the perfect takeoff spot, and adjust his stride accordingly. Mine is to stay out of his way and let him jump. We hit the first jump just right. He clears it with an effortless arc, and all I have to do is go through my mental checklist. Heels down, back straight, follow his mouth. Good boy, Major. One ear flicks halfway back to acknowledge my comment, but not enough to make him lose focus. A strong, easy stride to jump to and he's up, working for both of us, holding me perfectly balanced as we fly through the air. He lands with extra momentum, normal at the end of a long straight line. He self-corrects, shifting his weight back over his hocks. Next will come the surge from his muscled hind end, powering us both up and over the final tall vertical. It doesn't come, though. How can it not? Come on, I cluck, scuff my heels along his side. No response from my rock-solid jumper. The rails are right in front of us, but I have no horsepower, nothing under me. By the time I think of going for my stick, it's too late. We slam into several closely spaced rails, topping a solid gate. Oh God, oh no, be ready, be ready, be ready. But how? There's no good way. There are poles everywhere, and leather tangling and dirt in my eyes, in my nose, in my mouth. There's no sound from my horse. Is he as winded as me? I can't speak or yell or scream. Major? Is that him on my leg? Is that why it's numb? People come, kneel around me. I can't see past them. I can't sit up. My ears rush and my head spins. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to... Another Night Another Heart-Racing Sweaty Midnight Awakening I lift my hand to wipe my sticky forehead, and the small braid I didn't even realize I was holding falls into my lap. I stare at it for a minute. Why have I even kept this? What it really shows is how desperately I was trying to save myself as my horse went down under me. Gripping so hard, I ripped a chunk of his mane out while he fell and died with strangers around him. I should have gone to him. Should have gotten up and pushed my way through, crawled if I had to. But I didn't. Slate said it. Craig said it. The vet said it. He was dead before he hit the ground. He didn't feel anything. He probably died happy, lifting for a jump, the thing he loved most. Sometimes the thought comforts me, just not in the middle of the night, not now. I pad out to the living room, my bare feet scuff-scuffing on the wood floors. I curl up on the sofa facing the picture window and sip my drink and let the ever-shifting water of the moon-bathed river mesmerize me. It's hypnotic, and I'm nodding off when a ship skims into view. Slipping, gliding, motoring through the night. It would be near invisible, just an inkier patch of dark in the pitch of the night, were it not for the strings of lights outlining the bow and stern, pinpricking the space in between with flickering dots of incandescence. A fairy ship. With it comes the noise, a rhythmic thrum, something I can feel as well as hear, the working of the huge ship's engines reverberating through all the layers of water and rock and earth and man-built foundation and floor between it and me. Turbines turning, pistons pumping, doing whatever all the parts of an engine that massive do. One thing's for sure, they aren't quiet. This is different. This is magical. This is me, not in Kansas anymore. The thought takes me back to bed and into sleep until I'm wakened by light seeping in around the edges of the curtains and the realization that I need to get up soon and go to work.